You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Arc 2 is proudly sponsored by HeroForge, a free online character design application that lets you make and order your very own custom TTRPG minis. Their character creation tools are rich and deep, with facial customization, animal companions, action poses, spell effects, hundreds of clothing options, and nigh-infinite color choices. Get a color-printed mini, unpainted premium plastic, bronze minis, color standees, or even your very own digital STL files for printing at home or use in virtual tabletops. To see their tools in action, go to Hero Forge Minis on Twitter and search Artemis. They made a mini of Nova's very own Hand of Fate, and she looks good. Check out Hero Forge today at heroforge.com. Content warnings for this episode include ghosts, death of loved ones, grief, apocalypse, environmental disaster, nightmares, visions, scopophobia, infidelity, and references to romance, flirting, sex, alcohol, drinking, and hunger. Arc 2, Episode 8. Your Heart Should Run. From Carved Inside an Empty Urn by Connie Chong. The Black River is a water town in the lowest tiers of the City of Heaven. It is a flat, sprawling expanse of buildings and bridges stitched over a dense network of rivers and canals, runoff from the divine lakes, Rains and waterfalls of the upper levels splash all the way down here, collected in overflowing ponds that gush past the Black River's infamous establishments. As you look around, you don't even need people here to understand what these buildings are. You see gambling houses, you see pleasure dens, you see luxurious restaurants, you even see temples, which is really interesting. On your way down here, nowhere else did you see even a single temple because why would there be? The gods who would be worshipped would presumably be the peers and equals of everyone else here in the city of heaven. They're all around. And yet, the Black River contains temples, its shrines laden with offerings and merits and glistening gems. As you see this water town laid out before you, let's say the three of you are standing on the edge of a canal with a bridge near you, a gambling house to your back, a pleasure den across the river, and various temples and glittering establishments in the midst of festivities cut short. What do you do? How do you begin your investigation? With a big grin on his face, Zynan looks around. This has an air of home to him and I think the first thing after the gears fall away and he sees that cherry blossom petal he follows it as it lands and he looks up and is looking at the gambling house which of these uh, places and he finally looks away a little too long 
do we think is a good place to start? Well, and Sayer like paces around and looks about all these spaces. It feels like an easy place to meet an information broker. It's at a gambling house. Everyone's distracted, placing their bets, discreet. Lots of money in and out. Well, it makes sense. More people would be talking unabashedly, thinking that no one was around listening, hiding in plain sight. And there's enough weapons usually around in a gambling house to stop anything bad that no one wants. Zainan steps forward towards the gambling house, and I think as he does, he unconsciously begins to think about all of the people coming in and out, just what it looks like in an active gambling house, and is looking over the exterior, trying to discern the types of people, the you know, what it looks like a gambling house full of gods in the city of heaven. What what does that even look like? And I think as he does, he begins to almost ask the city itself what is here as he looks over the building. And as he does, there's almost a bass note, an echo that comes from him. And as he is trying to look over all of this, and understand the landscape of where they are, essentially. I would like to pitch a move, Connie, as he investigates. Go on. As he is looking, I would love for him to unknowingly manifest a power tag of unspoken eulogies. All of the people, all of the places of people that aren't here, absent shapes of beings, and also echoes of who he was, and he unknowingly dips into his ghost form. I would like to investigate using weird ghost powers. I'm gonna say that's more of a gaze into the mist move. If it's especially if it's unintentional and you're slipping into it, I'm gonna counter pitch. So gaze into the mist is a rift move. So when you gaze into the mist for answers or signs, describe what you're looking for and roll 2d6 plus tags. So what are you looking for, Zainan? Zainan is looking for the the place where the familiar types of people who would be going to an information broker. So maybe clever-eyed people who are trying to stay clear, who are looking around and that kind of stuff. Not people who are there to have a good time and, you know, go to a, a pleasure den or, or a, go gamble. Sure. Okay. Yes. So you're specifically looking for interesting clientele that might have yes. come in and out of this establishment. Excellent. So which tags are you attaching to this? I actually think it's going to be untethered existence for his mythos tag. Okay. And resourceful criminal from his logos, everyone and no one. And I think that's all I've got. Excellent. I'm going to invoke your mythos weakness tag. Can you read it out loud to me? A closed door. Yeah, this is completely unintentional. So that door, I think, maybe like 
It's it's not even cracking open. This is mist flowing through the bottom of the door through the crack there, right? So if you were open, you would maybe get more intentionality, more thoughtfulness from what the mist might speak back to you. As it is, you're unaware of yourself even doing this. So that's going to be a minus one from that weakness tag. And feel free to mark attention on that mythos theme. And a plus two, I believe, from the other power tags, making it a total of a plus one. All right. Go for it. Oh, hell yes. 12. Oh my god! <laughs> he him redemption! Oh, what the hell? Damn, okay. So on a 10 plus, the mist shows you lucid visions and a clear path forward. Zynan, what does it look like when you slip into your ghost form? As Zynan looks over at the exterior of this large gambling house, something familiar happens that you all saw at least once, as he steps forward, wisps of dust begin to trail off of him, almost like he is in stop motion, where he was, instead of a trail per se, it's like a just an image of him, an after image for just a moment, left in dust, fading out, fading out, fading out. He steps forward, and with every step, you see for, especially if we were still in different time in a liminal. You could see each footfall leaving a trail that slowly disappears behind him of steps. And he overlays this moment with the image of people entering a not-so-fancy gambling house. Faces blurred but familiar as he steps forward in a different street on a different plane at a different time in his life and looks over the space and begins to try and fill in the faces that were familiar to him once with the faces of the divine from here. Damn, okay, Zynanesh, you walk the line and the edges of your own being here in the city of heaven begin to fade. From your perspective, it's as though a fine mist settles over both of these visions. The vision of a not-so-fancy gambling house with familiar people, and the vision of a very extravagant, luxurious, over-the-top gambling house that is here in front of your face in the city of heaven. And everybody, this gambling house, it's marvelous. It's one of the few buildings in the city of heaven that's also tall in addition to being broad. There are multiple levels here. This ground floor has a stone ramp that leads up into open gates beyond which you can just see, smell the remnants of, of incense and cigarette smoke. And the doors are flanked by these two huge stone carvings of guard lions with these vicious looking faces, uh, their clawed paws on top of uh, spheres, magical spheres. On the next level, you see a balcony that juts out made of pure, dark, beautiful mahogany, an overhang of pure black tiles, glazed ceramic, but glimmering like deepest night, like bolts of obsidian layered on top of each other, like a demon's teeth, titrating all the way upward to a beautiful spire that winds up, 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 and almost scrapes the underbelly of a stone bridge from the higher level, arcing above your heads. This establishment is grand. It's beautiful. And Zynanesh, you see its patrons. At first, just a murmur of, of ghostly forms like yours with no real faces, no real names, no real countenances. It's so hard to see what used to be here without actually being there. But then, because you got a fucking 12, 
uh, clarity begins to etch into these forms. You see beautiful flowing robes. You see long hair, short hair, tall, short, broad, thin, all manner of gods coming in and out, in and out of the establishment. You see after images of someone being thrown out onto the street by a huge bouncer, their cheeks flushed with wine. They hit the ground and they tumble into the canal. You see a ghostly splash. You feel water that isn't actually there, splash onto the hem of your trousers. And then, cutting through the crowd, bright, an actual real person, someone important, a named clientele, you see a woman. Oh my God, Zion Ash, what a woman. Six foot four, light brown skin, short black, hair slicked up and back out of her face. You see elegant, deep, crimson robes with golden trim and emerald decorations. A crown of jewels rests atop their head and their steps all the way up into the gambling house leave fiery markings in their wake. You see eyes, red, pure crimson eyes, alive with energy and power. This woman radiates power. She vanishes into the crowd, into the gambling house, and your eyes are drawn upward to the balcony, and you see someone else, a person, standing there leaning over the railing with a long cigarette holder, something to smoke at the end of it, trailing smoke up into the heavens. You see the owner of this establishment, in fact, the owner of all these establishments, a short, slight god with light brown skin and bright silver hair shorn at the sides. They wear pure black robes, the same color as the black tiles above them, with a white sash and bright blue trim. Her face is quick, fox-like, with slitted black eyes, the same color as their robes, and the tips of his fingers you see as they hold the cigarette holder are pure black, fading all the way up their arms. You also see a white snake, an actual living white snake, draped across Tada's shoulders with a bright pink tongue flicking in and out. They take one easy final drag on the cigarette holder, and as ghostly smoke goes up, they hear something you don't hear. They turn, and you see that the woman that entered, the fiery, powerful woman, is now standing at the mouth of the balcony, saying something to them. And then you're pulled right back into the now. The spectral dust falls like someone dropped it. And Zynan doesn't seem to know that that happened as he's looking up. I think, uh... I think this is the place, and he's looking up at the balcony. He doesn't even look back at everyone else. Thayer looks at you as if he smelt something so familiar. Dust. The same dust he stared into many, many years ago when he first laid eyes upon you. And he blows it out of his nose, attempting to push that side of him away. <clears throat> up there? Up there, Sinan? Yeah. You see something? Uh... In a sense, the city gave me some... All right. I think that the owner, overseer, person in charge very well could have a, a bit of information up there. Good work, Agent Ash. And Lumira says it through 
gritted teeth, almost trying to calm herself. She saw it. And I think that same gut reaction to when you first disappeared on us is immediately triggered until you came back. So she dials it down. We have a lead. Good work. If that's where the owner does their activities, then a bit of caution then. There might be security measures still in place. We'll see. I think Sayer sees the tension, nods, and stands there for maybe a heartbeat too long and begins kind of stepping into the establishment itself. Breathes a sigh just so that he can steady himself. There's some relief not having to stare at their faces and pretend and pretend and wear a mask. So he focuses. I will start climbing. There's like a set of, it's a spiral staircase, if I'm understanding it correctly, to head up to where the owner is or the area that Sinan saw. So you're right in front of the gambling house. There's a ramp that leads into it. And presumably the way to get to the higher levels is inside the building that you haven't seen yet. There's a balcony kind of like overhanging over the top of the ramp. Can I climb up to it? Climb up straight to the balcony. The balcony is like 20 feet above your head. So you can try to jump and grab onto it if you want, or like climb up the facade of the building and then hop onto yeah. the balcony. Yeah, okay. I will, I'll do the ladder. As Sayer attempts this, what about Lumira and Zaiden? Are you just watching him do this or do you do something else? Oh, I'm watching. I want to see how this happens. Just taking a quick peek. All right. Zaiden kind of steps forward. He felt the tone of the three of them all kind of fall into the basement. Ed is purposefully walking forward like, we're just agents, this is fine. Nothing strange is happening. And he's just like, yeah, another agent is going to go do some recon and is stepping forward, not jumping to help Sayer do this thing, but is not far off should, you know, maybe he plummet from a great height. Okay, yes. Sounds good, Sayer. How do you attempt to scale the side of this building? I think Sayer walks past the guard lines and he stares at them and there's a weird pull that makes him want to touch it and he won't and he quickly sprints past it and walks towards maybe a pillar of some sort that mm-hmm. so that he can maybe begin by climbing up then if need be use his crescent blade to help anchor himself as he moves just methodically up he's not going to do any fancy tricks but as he's doing this, he's remembering in his mind the way Sing Wall climbs. And Sing climbs the wall with such precision, but also with speed. There is an efficiency in the way the Chosen One does things. Mm-hmm. And he can't help but think of her and the way she moves as he also climbs the space. Okay, Sayer, I'm going to need you to tempt fate. So when you tempt fate with your actions... Fuck, okay. <laughs> Describe what perilous feat you're trying to accomplish and roll plus mythos. That's how many mythos cards you have. Oh, okay. So just plus two, just the cards, not any of the tags. So I'll nope, just... just how many cards you right. have. Is that a two? Plus okay, two. this is a move I wrote. Uh, I pulled it from God Killer, which is a game I wrote. It's a rift move now in City of Heaven, which is the name of my hack for City of Mist. So go for it. 
Lumira just pulls out a piece of stabilizing gum out of her coat and then just like sticks it on like a braid. Like her hair is like one of her braids is like clipped up into her hair off, like pushing it off over to the side. She just sits it in there because she knows she's going to need it. Wow. Does that count as hinder your your team, your crewmate? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to? Do you That's want to so hinder funny. Me, No, I don't want to hinder because he hinders himself all by oh. their own. So I don't have to help at all. <laughs> all right, I've rolled. Okay, so that's plus two, right? That's an mm -hmm. eight total. Sorry, seven eight total. total. Seven. Okay, barely shy of a miss. That is a mixed Ooh. success. So Sayer, you triumph over this specific ordeal, but attract the attention of your enemies. They react immediately. As you land on the smooth, polished mahogany floor of the balcony, your foot crunches over a bone. Not just any bone, a god's bone. And when you look up, you are no longer in this version of the city of heaven, instead of the black river to your left, you see a river of blood and you hear screams, roars, tortured, shattered, divine screams and your heart pounding in your chest, your sepulchral organic mushy heart beating against your ribs and a sensation rising inside of yourself, a sensation you have spent the last two months trying to suppress. It coils up and you feel as you gasp back onto the balcony, so hungry. As you come back to your body, the sensation, the feeling of hunger starts to fade as though it were nothing but a bad dream, but the bitterness of it lingers on your tongue. How do you reel? Sayer lets out a sound. It's unholy. It's heretical as it escapes his lips and bites down on it, trying to suppress it. He just says through gritted teeth, no, 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 go away, go away, go away. And I, is the bone still on the ground beneath my feet? There's no bone here. It's just a mahogany floor. Sayer does a double take, looks beneath his boots. There's that sensation in his mouth, like hunger. The feeling of after clearing a bone of an animal, seeking yet another. The need to gnaw. Bess, it dissipates and leaves his mouth. He, like, grabs onto the railing behind him, the banister, to help stabilize. And I think folks beneath him could see him, like, steady himself on that balcony. Lumira and Zion, you hear Sayer gasp and say no, no, no to himself. And as you grab onto the railing behind you, your palms are coated in your own cold, hungry sweat. And I think you overjudge your own strength, you crack some of the wood underneath your fingers. You alright? Sayers jerked back to the prison. His strike team. Nova can see him, Zyna can see him. Lumira can see him. Yeah, 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 yeah! I'm, I'm alright, just... lost my balance. You sure? Yeah. Zyna shoots Lumira a look. Lumira shoots one right back. The last time... Sayer so started just talking to himself. There was a, a giant oil 
dragon inside of him. And so Zidon is kind of chewing on that as he looks over at Lumira and there is danger and concern in his eyes. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to see if everything's locked. If y'all want to meet me on the other side. Yeah, other side. You don't sound too sure. I just haven't opened the door yet. That's all. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm just having a peek. See you on the other side. All right. Zion and Lumira, do the two of you do as you're told and just wait here for Sayer to open the doors from the inside? Zion shakes his head at Sayer's direction. Would you like in uh, from the ground? Well, I tend to try to work smarter instead of harder, so yes. Zion just nods, steps forward towards the gates. Are they open? They are, I think it would be hilarious if they were just wide open <laughs> this entire time. Yeah. But, but I think, I think for the sake of not making Sayer's noble sacrifice be completely in vain, yes, the doors to the gambling house are closed. Zainan's going to go up to the gate and give it a, a shake, see how sturdy they are, see how hard it would be to actually just go inside. Yes, you go up and you shake them. They are not locked. And you're able to kind of part them by uh, pulling them apart in the middle. Zidon just pushes and pushes for both, enough room for both of them to, with their personal bubbles intact, enter the gates. Sure. Zidon, you muscle open the gates and you and Lumira walk into the atrium, the foyer of this gambling house. And you see a huge, beautiful expanse of pure debauchery. You see uh, felt tables for playing mahjong, different sections for various games of chance and debatable skill. Toward the back, you see a, a large ramp curling up to the second floor. And it's eerie how empty It is. I don't know if any of you have ever seen a gambling house empty. That completely defeats the purpose of a gambling house. They're open 24-7, clientele coming in, coming out. But there's absolutely no one here. The two of you can even hear your own footsteps, though muffled over this thick tongue of carpet underneath you. You hear them treading over the felt as you look around. And you also notice something else that is very obvious on the interior. On the beautiful obsidian and white marble walls that surround the interior of the gambling house, everywhere are painted black eyes. Are you getting the idea that someone is consistently always watching you in here, Agent Ash? I honestly don't think that that changes anywhere we go. Fair, but I'm talking about in particularly here. I don't know. And as he says that, you can see, I think pretty plainly on his face, that he's not looking at the eyes painted on the wall. A distinct change from being on the wild sea where his eyes would dart around and he would keenly take in the surroundings watchfully. This time his eyes go to a mahjong table and his hand reaches down and he touches the tiles just to hear them click together a little. Just someone's row of tiles. Click, 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 click. Is this particular location going to be a problem for you, Agent Ash? 
No, ma'am. There's no one here to gamble with in the first place, and I don't have much to gamble with other than... And he looks down at the goose. (laughs) Well, I would appreciate if we could all keep our eyes on the mission at hand right now. There will be time for leisure later. It's all part of it. And finally he looks around, clear-eyed. What do you think they are? Now that I have no idea. If only Seer would, I don't know, get one of those spooky omens. I feel like that'd be very helpful here. Could be. Or add more stress to a situation that's already stressful enough. Certainly. Why is... And I think Lumira does like a once around the room, her fingertips lightly tracing the black eyes that are painted on the wall, just barely touching them, but she is like running her finger across it. Lumira, as soon as your fingers graze over the painted surfaces of one of the eyes, you feel an after image of magic radiating off of it. It's not active, right? It's nothing's currently going on there, but this eye and that eye and that eye over there, and indeed all of the black painted eyes on all of these walls, they once were magical. Though for what purpose, just by looking at them and touching them, you can't ascertain. Well, from what I can tell, these eyes used to have something special in them per se, but what they were used for, can't really tell. At a guess, surveillance. That'd be my first inkling as well. Well, let's go, uh, find agents here. We haven't heard, like, Sayer making any noise or anything like that up above us, have we? So speaking of which, we pan up through a layer of pure dark wood to find Sayer up on the balcony. Sayer, there's not much on the balcony itself. It's a beautiful railing. You see a small garden of sorts with potted plants, a money tree, and a crooked palm. And you also see a sliding wooden door with these beautiful intricate wooden cutouts of lotus flowers. Through the gaps in the lotus flowers, you can kind of ascertain a darkly lit room of some sort, but you know you can definitely just slide the panel off and enter. Sayer looks at the little pot of plants, and he can't help but smile for a moment as he traces his finger along the leaves. He thinks of of an old friend, and as he traces his fingers away, he looks into the darkness. Seems easy enough to slide the doors, and he pushes it across, and he will feel the mask falter as the hunter finally emerges from the shadow. And I will take a look around the room. It's dark in here. What are we looking at? It was until you opened up the panel and light from, it's still daytime, by now probably late afternoon. So light from the late afternoon sun is pouring into this area. You see a combination office and entertainment den, right? It's lavish. There's low tables in various places, scattered little pleasures, wine, little foods that are beginning to rot, as well as a lounge area with this long sofa, uh, chair. This isn't a bedroom. There's no boudoir or bed here, but it was a place of both work and pleasure and entertainment. You see a table pushed up against one wall with a big, lavish chair with a snake carved along the top of it. And 
wooden filing cabinets behind that mm. desk as well. There's also a, a door. You said there was food out. Yes, there's food out on top of a low table, as well as an ashtray that's very full, along with various unlit cigars and cigarettes on the table. So it looks like whoever was here was hosting. Oh, definitely. You see spilled decanters of wine on the floor, like they were knocked over. Sayer notes that he takes a wide berth around it and goes towards the door because his priority is letting Nova in. Is it locked? No. You go to the door and you're able to slide it open. You see essentially a landing area with a railing and a ramp that curls down to the atrium. If you walk all the way to the railing, you can peer over into the foyer and see Lemire and Zainan. Sayer pushes the door open, takes a deep breath in. Zainan, Lemira, Zainan, Lemira. Up here, Simon Lamira, up here. He mutters to himself and then he walks a little forward towards the railing, leans over and says, Nova, Simon, Lamira, up here. Got it open. It's quite interesting. Good work. Good indeed. Lamira is taking long strides up that golden staircase. Yeah, Lamira and Zainan, as the two of you go up this ramp, toward this office entertainment area, you are again struck by the emptiness of this entire place. You see everywhere pleasures interrupted. You see bets, beautiful glimmering gems, votive offerings in the centers of tables that are just unclaimed sitting there as you ascend the ramp toward that office. Looks like our friend was hosting. And so it seems. Was there any signs of disturbance upstairs in the room that you got in? Just the typical, like we saw in the ground floor, like um, in the main market. Things dropped, and uh, as you like ascend up, there's a pause when he regards you for a moment. His pupils widen, he smiles, and then he marches inside and begins gesturing towards the fallen over wine decanters, the gambling elements, food rotting away. I think now would be a good time for one of you to investigate. I was literally just about to. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I nominate one of you. I nominate Lumira. (laughs) (laughs) It's because Val doesn't want to roll anymore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Get someone with good dice karma. Okay. Stop. Now I'm going to get fucked. Okay. um, (laughs) I would love that one. I know you would. The investigate move is a sleuth move. When you investigate a new location, describe how you search for clues and roll 2d6 plus tags. So everything I just described to say are the broad strokes, all of you are able to just get in an instant, but this is when you want to probe deeper and find specific answers and get a clearer picture of what happened here. So Lumira, how are you searching for clues? Lumira is looking for any signs of broken entry. I think she's looking for anything that's been left behind, any type of, more specifically than anything that's been left behind, but anything that rings of the same similar ping of the magic of the black eyes on the wall. Mm -hmm. So which tags are you invoking? That's what I'm trying to think about. Um, Can I also help? Yes, absolutely. Oh, that'll Zion. be great. You yeah, because I'm, I'm looking through. I'm like, I don't know if I have anything. I mean, I could use Flash as a history again. 
diagnoses could also work. I know it's typically Oh, I was going to actually use... But it's like your investigative mind. Yeah. Okay. I was actually going to ask if that was something that I could do. Be like, can I make an argument for diagnoses? Yes. Power tags are meant to be kind of broad but specific to fit into a variety of situations. And, Zion, you can also help. So there's a help move that I wrote here as well. When you want to help a crewmate who's making a move, describe how you assist them and roll 2d6 plus help points. So help points and hurt points are a resource that players can choose to gain them at the end of every session when we use the end of session move geek out during credits. So right now, Zainan, how many help points do you have in your relationship with Lumira? I actually have one. (laughs) Excellent. So describe how you're assisting Lumira's investigation. I think after Zainan coldly remembers the burn on his hand, looking at all of the gems and things, he finally makes his way into the room and enters and immediately catches Lumira's like sleuth eyes and he's like right yes mission I'm on a mission I don't want to keep screwing up so he is going to start helping by like peeking around things and using his extremely keen gaze and his like astute mind to specifically like criminal enterprises and things like that I would like to use resourceful criminal so you're not using your power tags, actually. Uh, oh, you help right. Someone, you, you, you spend help I points. I just, yeah. So, so I'm just looking spend and one. spending yep. the one help point. All right. Excellent. I assume, can I just say that the two of you are moving things around and like looking at stuff, opening drawers and stuff like that? Is that a stretch to say that's part of what you're doing? Yeah, no, not too much. That's about right. Okay. Sounds good. You're like poking around. Okay. Sayer, would you also like to help? Could I? Yeah, why not? Both of you can attempt, I think. Awesome. Sayir, I think, is just following Lumira's eyes and just walks to whatever drawer, whatever area she's looking at, and just moves a potted plant, opens a drawer. Like, he's just expending all of the effort he knows she doesn't want to do. <laughs> so you're being the muscle, like moving the heavy objects aside and doing the manual labor. Okay, how many help points with Lumira do you have? I only have one. Okay, so roll 2d6 plus one, both the boys. I did make it. At a seven <laughs> with the plus one. <laughs> so before we resolve that, let's wait for Sayer. Oh, thank Jesus. That is a 10, nine plus one. Okay, that's really good. So Zynan, on a seven to nine, your support is just fine. It's nothing huge, but it doesn't hurt them either. So what a seven to nine means is there's no mechanical benefit. It's just kind of flavor as you're looking around and helping Lumira sift through items. Sayer, on a 10 plus, your help is timely and crucial. They get a plus one. So Lumira, you get a plus one from Sayer on top of your regular roll. So what power tags are you invoking? I'm going to go ahead and um, use diagnoses. Okay. And then the plus one from Sayer, so plus two. That's it? Okay, wonderful. Roll 2d6 plus two for investigate. Nine. It's a nine. Total? Total. Okay, so on a seven to nine, the GM will describe the area's general ambiance and any prominent features that your trained senses notice. Not bad. So all in all, let me paint you all a picture. Lumira, Zainan, and Sayer, as you snoop around this office, yes, there are also eyes here. Not as many as downstairs. There are three prominent eyes, one on a wall, one on a ceiling, and one as Sayer moves the carpet aside underneath the carpet even. They also contain traces of magic, though they're not currently magically activated. 
You also notice that at first, just a regular person might have written off the spilled decanters of wine from the entertainment area as someone knocked it over drunkenly, or maybe they were dropped when the mist took everyone. But upon closer inspection, it appears to be dropped due to a struggle. You see footprints in the carpet, two sets. One set facing outward from a wall, and one set much larger facing inward. It seems like a larger person was menacing someone up against the wall. You also notice on the table, regular ledgers and paperwork easily accessible about the gambling house, the currency coming in, the currency leaving it, various letters from various people talking about various tasks that are not necessarily super interesting. They're administrative tasks or bureaucratic requests correspondence that seem politically friendly in nature. But then you also notice several locked drawers. Did any of you try to force them open or try to attempt to find a key? I would probably attempt to find a key first. Yeah, say would have probably have moved it and it made a sound. He looks at Lumira and Lumira's already like... (laughs) Find a key first. Unfortunately, with a seven to nine, you were unable to locate a key in this room. Okay. So did you let Sayer muscle it open? If we can't find a key, then I would let Sayer muscle it open, yes. (laughs) Okay. Good news, Sayer is able to wrench it open, wood chips go flying, and even more excellent news, especially for you, Lumira, who's attuned to magic, you feel like a, a magical vestige vibrating upward from the drawer. This was definitely booby-trapped. It was definitely cursed, but it's kind of just like the eyes, right? And the Spear of Seven Storms, the mist also seemed to have deactivated some aspects of the magics in the City of Heaven. So. Nothing explodes outward. You're able to just kind of wrench the drawer open and peer at the contents inside. The most interesting things you find here are what appear to be very sordid details about various gods in the city of heaven. You see files on various deities here discussing bribes, discussing petty thefts that have been documented. And you specifically see very realistic looking black and white drawings that seem to have caught people in the act from various angles, right? But it's almost like a vision was inscribed onto a piece of paper. The closest thing you ascertain to a photograph that might exist here. One of them in particular is in a red file that seems to be chosen because it seems to have some kind of sentimental value. And inside this file, you see the name of the god that has the sordid details on is called Harping. And you see an image of a woman kissing another woman, like kind of from like an above angle, they're like embracing. And then you see the same woman who was kissing another woman sitting for like a nice portrait of her, her wife and her child. But the wife is not the same as the woman she was kissing. Does the wife or child look familiar in the picture at all? No, no. Every face that you soar through is completely new. Something interesting about the other woman, let's say, is that the eyes, it's... Wherever this picture was taken or wherever this vision was inscribed doesn't seem to be in the city of heaven. You see in the background like a humble country farm and then it hits all of you. That woman's immortal. Whereas the wife is a god. So this drawer is full of blackmail material. That's what it is. Zayden looks it all over. Some things never change even if you're a god. Unfortunately so, it seems. Well... At least this is something like what we came here for. 
I mean, if this is blackmail and the liaison that we were just told about by Xiao Chang is a dealer in, in subterfuge and in, in details such as this. And information. Does that mean, and his eyes pan over towards the spilt over struggle area and looks back at Nova. Vengeance? At the door? I'm not 100% sure, but look at this. And Lumira will pull both of you, more specifically Zynan, over to the footprints that she saw earlier and points them out specifically. Check out the angle of these. What do you think? Zynan steps up to them, puts his boot next to the footprints just to like gauge for size. The smaller set is even smaller than yours. So whoever those belong to was rather short, rather diminutive and slight. The larger pair, very much a tall person, maybe taller than I think any of you in your party. And you immediately think of the two gods that you saw in your vision. Mm -hmm. They seem to match up. The woman going inside would match up with like the large footprints and the person smoking on the balcony would match up with the small one. The, uh, the vision I saw. And he says the word like it hurts a little. The owners of these footprints might have been a part of that. The smaller set to the owner of all this. Every time I get more information, I leave with more questions. Well, someone here was uh, slated to be the virtue of the emperor. So maybe there's a bit of meat on that bone. And if we are to make the assumption that said candidate is the owner, an attack on them on this day feels... Specific. Personal. There's one more detail about the room that all three of you would notice. By the desk, in a corner, almost surreptitiously there, that you might have missed on a first glance, is a bowl upon a very humble table, and the bowl is filled with pure black water. Mm. Ink? As you get closer and peer inside, you don't smell ink coming off of it, but say or something about it tugs at you. It's magical. And not just that, unlike the ghosts, the after images of magic lingering on the eyes, the magic here is present. It's still magical, contains all of its magic, whatever this bowl with black liquid is. I think what Sayer does is that he like hovers his hand above and maybe we see a little bit of like magical effervescence tingling near the tips of his fingers. And he steps up towards Lumira. Magic. Here. Mm-hmm. Dang, I wanna do I wanna like investigate this now. Let me take a look at the let's see what I can do. Absolutely. I think in order to to activate this or use it, it would be more like channeling your power or even gazing into the mist. Uh, yeah, let's gaze into the mist. Yes, I love it when we gaze into the mist. Okay, so when you gaze into the mist for answers or signs, describe what you're looking for and roll 2d6 plus tags. When Sayer mentions that they notice there's some type of magical resonance to this water, I think Lumira immediately goes into healer mode. Like she is very well known, like she knows 
botany and alchemy and things of that nature it's it's what she does so i think she immediately goes to it with that framework in it of investigating what exactly this is and then what are said powers of it and and what exactly itself it could be used for or is used for in general or if there's any components or if she can't like identify what it is exactly what are components of it that she can identify that can lead her to what it is Hell yeah, you wanna know what is its purpose and what are some clues that will lead me to its purpose. Excellent. So I think tags that might work here, feel free to pitch them to me. Um, Diagnoses might work again. Diagnoses definitely might work again. Some part of me feels like forbidden knowledge can also work. So I'll pitch those two. Yeah, diagnoses and forbidden knowledge. Okay. Um, I will say yes to that. 2d6 plus two. Go for it. Uh Uh-huh. That is a six. I'm so excited for this. (laughs) Fuck. On a six minus. I love this. On a six minus. I'm so excited. (laughs) The mist gazes back. As you gasp back into yourself, the GM will tell you what single portent lingers in your mind's eye haunting you. Suffer or worsen a status of the GM's choice. Okay. As you place your hands upon the edges of this bowl, it's not just some regular bowl meant for holding rice or noodles or soup. It is an intricately carved metal bowl with designs along its sides, designs of a tortoise with a serpent's tail wrapped around its exterior. And as your fingertips alight upon it, the magic rushes into you like a gasp of mist washing over your eyes <gasps> and your eyes we see we close upon them they turn pure black just like the inky water within this bowl and Seir and Zainan what Lumira sees you see played out on the surface of this scrying bowl Lumira you see Yalan the cradle the mortal world underneath the city of heaven, one of the three sister realms stitched against each other. And on Yaolan, you see nothing but disaster. Disaster, disaster, disaster. You see storms the size of temples devastating a countryside. You see earthquakes toppling buildings. You see people running and running from dust storms. You see fire eating crops. You see animals, cattle dropping over, diseased and dying. You see the bedlam, the disaster, the panic that happens in the absence of the gods. There's no balance here now that the gods are gone. There's no one here to breathe life into Yaolan, to maintain harmony. All of that is completely out of balance. There has been nothing but seven days and six nights of disaster. That is the portent that lingers in your mind's eye as you (gasps) gasp back into yourself and your eyes uncloud, becoming themselves once more. And the status I'm going to inflict upon you is haunted. Haunted too. Not just of what you saw in Yaolan, but something about these visions of disaster resonated within an almost forgotten part of yourself, a subsumed part of yourself deep within a pool inside the Ionian Grove disaster. 
Yes, it feels so familiar, but unknown, the details lost to you at the bottom of a lake. Lumira gasps back. She stumbles and stutters, moving herself away from the table. Yeah, I think there's there's two sets of hands. Lumira? You all right? Look at me. Look at me, Lumira. You're here with me. Look at me. Yeah, it is something akin to oblivion. Oblivion. Guess we know why we're here. And Lemira shook. And Sayer's no longer focused on the mission. He's only focused on you. He wants you to be steady. He just stares and looks into you in those big blue eyes. And he grips your shoulder, the upper part of your arm. And he just says, it's okay. Just stay with me here. And a shade has fallen over Zynan's face. The dust back on him like a mantle, an agent on a mission. Oblivion, oblivion, oblivion. And he steps away, that helping hand leaving Jess Sayer there. Are you okay? Can you stand? Um, y- yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I-, I can stand. And... As Lumira gets up, another one of her curls has went white again, permanently. And it just lays there. But it's definitely noticeable because it was not there before. In that transition point between you fully standing and that curl falling over, Thea reaches out, stops himself. All right. Um. You're, you're okay. See anything else, Zynan? Zynan's gone to the drawer with all the scrying sketches and stuff. Takes some fistful of them. I think this is what we came here for. We have half an answer. In a world below, between, that needs us. I think we got what we need. Sayer stares outside. What time of day is it? Does time work the same way in the city of heaven? I'm so glad you asked, Sayer. Because as your investigations into the Black River had continued and gone on, the sun in the window outside had gradually but certainly made its downward trajectory toward the horizon. Warmth recedes from the open-air courtyards of the Azir complex. The shadows inside the Black River grow long. The vibrant reds of the Vermilion Library begin to dull and the fires of the White Forge flicker against the chill breeze. The arrival of evening is so slow, so gentle, that none of you notice the mist rolling in until it's, well, everywhere. Thick white clouds coagulate in front of your faces. It doesn't matter if one happens to be outside under the light of the fading sun or like the three of you inside, shielded from the heavens by a roof held up by curved wooden ribs. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, the mist rolls in. It is cold against your skin like the caress of a lover long gone. It lingers on your clothes, your hair, behind the whites of your eyes. It becomes so dense that you can't see more than three boo ahead of yourselves. Your minds begin to cotton. Your thoughts 
disperse like silk strands being pulled apart by a weaver's deft hands. What were you doing here again? What time is it exactly? Who... Who are you? These questions bubble to the surface of your consciousness, like lotus flowers drifting across a tranquil pond. Pretty little questions with no real answers, aren't they? Answers that elude you as soon as you reach for them. It is as though you are slipping into a dream, farther and farther away from yourself, calmer and calmer, darker and darker until... Just like that, the mist rolls back out. It clears. Your mind sharpens. Your eyes refocus. And strike Team Nova. You now find yourselves in the company of gods. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Stardiers, Jordan, Derek Davidson, Phil, Mark J, Astrid, Spencer, Lyle and Peanut, Rose, Alex, The Bow System, Cassidy, Lex, Charles, and Cora Eckert. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!